Hello, welcome to Multiculturalism Happens Here. I am your host, Isaac Ruelas, and I work with Visions Inc., a nonprofit established in 1984. We are a catalyst for a more equitable world where differences are valued and used for the benefit of all. Our goal is to be a resource to the people that are working hard every day to bring diversity and inclusion into their workplaces, churches, governments, and schools. Believing that the multiculturalism process of change can be a part of your journey in the success of a more equitable and inclusive tomorrow. Hello, welcome back to episode number eight. You know who this is, Isaac Ruelas. And in today's episode, we introduce Jamila Batts Kapitman. She's been connected to Visions since the day she was born. Yeah, that's right, since the day she was born. We talk about spirituality and how it connects to the Visions model. From sitting in a circle to healing with our ancestors and mantras. I'm very excited to share this conversation with y'all. Let's get into it. Hi, my name is Jamila Bats Capitman. I am an African American woman. I am interracial, half Jewish, and um, on my Jewish side, I'm Romanian and German, and I am, in terms of my connection to visions, I am a facilitator and a consultant, and I have been the youth coordinator for visions for about 10 years, and I have been connected to visions since I was born because my parents are the founders and executive directors. I'm sure that's been an incredible journey for you to to get to be a part of the, the growth of visions and just seeing it change over time. Definitely. Can, can you talk a little bit about that experience? I just I, you have such a unique um, place in in visions, I think, in the story, if it's OK for me to say that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, Visions has been really like the village that I was raised in since I was very small. Everyone in Visions has been a part of my understanding of what it could mean to live in a multicultural world because we've always been a group of all different types of people from all over the world, um, all different types of gender expressions, sexual orientations, and relationships to like the English language. So I grew up like being with my mom at board meetings and following along when they were doing consultations and watching the process and kind of hearing people like, you know, have deep conversations and arguments over the different principles and learning about how people have applied those principles in their lives since I was little, which has been really beautiful. And we have definitely grown and changed over the years. We started out doing most of our work with adults. So it was always, you know, in, in higher education and um, hospitals and corporate environments. And then we started to do more work with schools. So the first kind of child or young adult or youth related work we did was when I was in middle school vision started to hold 
regular conferences for parents at the middle school that I went to that was about um, helping make sure that the middle school was a place where multiculturalism and diversity and inclusion were valued. And then when I was about 14, we started to do work with young people. So we had our first youth summit and I was on a team of young people, mostly high school students who were part of planning that youth summit and, you know, thinking about how to make the tools accessible to children. And then as I had the experience of leaving home and going to college, I started to really see how my upbringing and visions had made it possible for me to navigate all the different kinds of environments that I was in. So it started to become important to me to figure out how to teach more youth and young adults and how to create some like peer leadership opportunities for young people, especially in the neighborhood that I grew up in, which is Roxbury in Boston. Um, there is a lot of gun violence in this neighborhood and a lot of, you know, all the kinds of different things that impact low income and communities of color. It was something that I was able to look at through the lens of institutional oppression and that made me feel empowered. And I wanted to pass on that kind of understanding to young people. So that was when I was 19 is when I started the Legacy Project, which was my hope with the whole project was to be able to pass visions on to a new generation because I had watched this amazing group of people create this company and pass on this knowledge to adults throughout my parents' life and in their generation, and I wanted that to keep going. I was aware that the visions faculty was getting older, so it became my mission to try to like find some people who were around my age group who would want to pass visions on, and that was the, the mission behind the Legacy Project, and then we got a grant from the Kellogg Foundation to do a summer program where we trained 14 to 24-year-olds in the model and in peer leadership skills. Um, and so Visions has since then become much more of an intergenerational organization. And we've got people of all different age groups that we work with. And a lot of the young people who were involved in the Legacy Project, um, which started in 2007, are still involved in Visions and still do consulting work, and even if they don't, um, I've been able to see how their experience with visions has informed the work that they do in the world. So it's been an incredible journey, and it's still going. Yeah, it's really cool kind of seeing the ways in which you've influenced the work just by being, you know, just by being a part of your family <laughs> and um, the ways that we change our thinking and the ways that we can see, I guess, see the world differently. Yeah, that's really cool. And we have talked about in more of your recent years, one of the ways that we've connected is getting into spirituality and talking about our journeys around spirituality and some of the different things that we've got to study and engage as well and in the connection to liberation and also in the connection to the process that is run at Visions. Yeah, let's talk about all of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, uh, for this one, I'd love to just keep the conversation going around um, some of those conversations that we've had around spirituality and healing 
um, liberation. Could you talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you've uh, been in, been learning about, studying, engaging in terms of healing and spirituality? Yeah, so I am like deeply interested in traditional spirituality and different forms of healing that originate in a non-Western context. So um, I am a certified Reiki practitioner and um, I have received my hand of Ifa, which is the first step of initiation into the Yoruba West African traditional belief system. And I've also like spent time doing Buddhist meditation and I have studied massage and different kinds of body work and, um, and I'm a yoga teacher. So all of those things are for me um, part of my spiritual journey and have definitely been deeply connected to what I feel like is liberation work and what I see as kind of like the next level of, of some of the visions work in terms of being able to function in a world where religion and spirituality have so often been connected to division and oppression and and at the same time have always been connected to liberation. So being able to go on my own spiritual journey and figure out a lot of those things for myself, I feel like has brought me full circle to coming back to looking at visions work as, as spiritual work. Because I think one of the things that I've learned in my in my various like studies of different types of spirituality is the importance of honoring the ancestors. And I see any form of like movement work and anti-oppression work as a way of carrying on the the legacy of the civil rights movement and the resistance of enslaved Africans in this country and indigenous people and you know all of the groups in this country that have had to fight for their liberation or for their humanity. So I, I've come to this place of really seeing the work of anti-oppression as a form of, of spiritual practice as well. Yeah, I, I think of liberation sometimes as staying connected to my inner power at the personal level. And mm. I think that that's one of the things that vision does or tries to, to do in the process is to always keep people centered in their inner power. Definitely. So I, I wonder, as we talk about the next level, right, of, of the process or how we do the work at visions, one of the things that comes up for me in the connections of spirituality and visions is the ways that we try to look at power. And so are there any things that like come to you as you're thinking about next level visions process? Yeah, I mean, I love what you're saying about inner power and not having power as defined by society and by systems, but that power is something that we define and feel within ourselves. I'm thinking about one of the visions tools, which is feelings as messengers. And we talk about the six feeling families, which are mad, sad, scared, glad, or happy, peaceful, and powerful. And when we say powerful, we mean like empowered. We don't necessarily mean like power over other people, but we mean that sense of being connected and being powerful and being able to stand up for what I believe in. And I think that 
anytime that I feel nervous about speaking my mind or, you know, have anxiety around standing up for myself or making my voice heard, just being able to like take a deep breath, which is something that I learned in yoga or being able to like close my eyes for a second and, you know, really think about what, what would my ancestors want me to do at this point, um, mm. that those are ways of, of like keeping my power and keeping my strength um, and being able to stand in that power even when I feel nervous or uncomfortable. So yeah, that was that was one of the things that came to mind. And you know what's interesting is I've been thinking about like one of the ways that we um, do the work and process is we sit in a circle, right? And mm-hmm. I was sort of thinking like, what is the next level? You know, do we how do we change up the circle? And I was having a conversation with Jabari and the way that he said, when, when I share space, when I share a circle with people. And for me, that's still such a powerful thing that right now as we're talking, I think about how ancestral that feels to me Mm. for us to sit in a circle. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm like, I don't think that that's one of the things that needs to change right now. I'm just feeling like, no, I think that that, sitting in circle in terms of connecting with my and my own ancestral power the circle and sitting in circle has and does play such an important role i totally agree we had a recent participant talk about just feeling so grateful for sitting in circles and like the power of sitting in circles and i feel like that's something that's so counterculture like so much of what we do in the world is linear and that's such a like western way of creating order is to have people learn in rows of desks or like sitting in their little box in their office um, yeah. or have someone like standing at the front of the room and everybody's sitting in rows of chairs and that person has ultimate power and just the like energetic shift that happens when we sit in a circle is so powerful and I also feel like what you said about the ancestral power that comes from that I think all of us I think all people from all over the world at some point probably sat in circles so when we do that we're kind of inviting like a different type of wisdom to come out of us just through sitting in that shape so I think that that's that's a really big piece of what we do and it's like subtle but I think it's very intentional in terms of creating a more even distribution of power just within the space yeah and I'm I'm thinking about how not so much on like a pace workshop but things that have been a little bit shorter when we do get a chance to kind of build more of an intimate setting I've like brought in a candle and put it in the middle and mm-hmm. a lot of people have shared a lot of appreciation for that even though you know as I was doing it I was like is this is this corny but it's also <laughs> it's authentic to me mm-hmm. And and if I'm one of the, the people that is holding the space, you know, then I think that, okay, it's okay if I do this. And it was cool that people shared an appreciation for it. But even just that, you know, felt a little risky, like I'm going to put a candle in the middle of the circle. I love that. I mean, I have, I have friends who facilitate space and have people build an altar um, in the middle of the circle. And I think that that's really powerful. And we talked about this a little bit when we were planning the podcast, but what does it mean to have people from all different backgrounds in a room kind of like bringing in their ancestral energy? Like to me, if somebody lights a candle in a space that's that's a circle for sharing, then it becomes a sacred space and like our ancestors and, you know, not to sound corny, but like our spirit guides or whatever we believe in, mm-hmm. then kind of enters the space. And I think that 
to be intentional about that is taking the visions work to the next level because it is kind of like ancestral healing work to talk about racism and talk about our experiences of oppression and how they manifest in 2019 as compared to 1965 like we are we are basically healing our ancestors when we do that and we're asking our ancestors to come into the space and be with us as we like try to undo some of what we were taught so I think that's really cool and I do feel like that's one of the the things that I think we're I'm trying to like undo and combat is the idea that honoring spirit in any way in public or in a circle is corny or is like not okay like I think it is okay I think that's one of the things that that most people of color like our ancestors were honoring spirit all the time like there was no connection between the there was no disconnect between the physical world and the spiritual world like everything was always spiritual and I think we talk a lot in visions about emotions and I feel like I don't know I've heard people break the word emotion down into energy in motion and I think when you have people starting to cry or starting to you know remember things and bring up strong emotions that you're shifting energy so to be able to have a central point like a candle or to be able to like burn some sage and and be conscious of the energy in the room to me is allowing the work to happen on a different plane like there's the plane that we're talking on and feeling on and hearing on but then there's also the space of where that energy goes and to be conscious of that I think is really um, beautiful and important yeah as I'm listening and and sort of thinking and imagining I wonder if there's room so like one of the things that Jabari is working on is creating and Jabari is another emerging consultant slash fellow with visions and he's working on what would an outdoor experience look like yeah (laughs) and so you know I wonder as I'm like hearing you know what would a kind of that's like outdoors connecting I think it still is spiritual and what would it look like to have like a spiritual two-day you know that also incorporates this kind of like inner power and liberation and being intentional about we are going to you know, bring our, our ancestors into this in a way where I guess the part that what we were talking about, like the corny piece mm-hmm. is like, how, <laughs> how do we create a space that is sort of safe and where people will engage fully without feeling that like there might be that vibe, you know, of, of, of someone being like, this is corny or and even yeah. if it does we know that that's okay but i i wonder like what it would look like to have an experience really where we're doing some of this spiritual healing and tapping into that inner power which are the guidelines which are feelings as messengers which are you know understanding the three identities and target non-target and and alternative behaviors at least that's what i think is exciting for me definitely is being able to express and manifest my spiritual power with through the tools in a way that I believe like is still equitable and I'm not taking anybody else's power away and I'm just staying in my power though. I love that because I feel like it's about seeing each other as full beings. Like I think it it invites us to think about how to create a space where we can show up with all of who we are, that we don't have to leave our spirituality outside or at the door, you know, that we can show up 
really with all of our power, like if we're doing Reiki shares or energy healing along with these conversations about race, class, gender, we're letting ourselves be fully present and be whole. And I love the thought of doing some like farming work, like planting and growing food and like having a connection with the earth. Because to me, again, that's another piece of liberation. Like we know that so much of the way that people of color are negatively impacted by society is through the food that we eat. Like so much of the food that we eat is unhealthy and processed and the the experience of like growing food and connecting to the earth creates an opportunity for us to heal our bodies and, and also like learn the skills that it takes to live in a way that's not completely controlled by like corporations and the industry. Like I would love to figure out how to do some legacy project that included learning how to farm um, and learning how to meditate and like learning how to connect to natural ways of healing because I think that that's extremely revolutionary like I'm thinking about like I don't know like for instance Nipsey Hussle was about to produce this movie um, about you know Dr. Sebi and Dr. Sebi was a great healer and he was healing people through food and natural things and I keep thinking how powerful it would have been if that movie got created and so many of the young people who listen to Nipsey Hussle would have been impacted to think more deeply about the food that they take in and that eventually leads you to needing to grow your own food and needing to connect with the earth and then when you do that when you connect with the earth you're naturally connecting with your ancestors because all of us um, have ancestors who were agricultural people. All of us have ancestors who were growing food and living off the land and working the land. So what does it mean to like reconnect to the land as a process of self-empowerment? I think that would be incredible. Yeah. That would be next level. That would be like yeah. taking vision to the streets. That would definitely be next level. <laughs> well, and especially, I mean, like right now, springtime, it's like, it's, Right now is the time to that's in the air, you know, like in terms of farming and and planting those seeds and and putting in that kind of work. Um, yeah, it would be it would be really cool. I wonder. I always my my mind gets into like what what would that look like? And one of the things that came to me as we were talking about this stuff, I was just how imaginative right now I feel like we're able to be, mm-hmm. and how and how cool it is to be in this space right now. And just like really imagining and, and trying on these different ways of, of leveling up right now. I appreciate it. Um, and one of the things that came to me was like what it would look like or feel like to try on doing mantras after mm. something like cultural sharing. You know, and if we do become aware of, of things that we caught that might have been racist, sexist ableist, homophobic, all those things, if we would also have time, you know, to release some of those things, Mm. what that would feel like, what that would look like. I love the idea of doing mantras because I think when I, you know, Visions was created by like a bunch of psychologists and I feel like that was in the 80s and I feel like psychology has grown so much and there's this whole idea of like neuroplasticity now and you know the power of mantras to change your brain waves the power of mantra to like Mm -hmm. change the way that you function and think 
Um, I think that, that that would be incredible. And I think a lot of the seeds, like <laughs> to use the word seeds, a lot of the seeds of that are already available to us in Visions. Like when we do the contracting for change and we kind of create this like visualization of how do you want to feel at the end of a workshop mm -hmm. that we could turn those those contracts into affirmations that we're saying consistently and I love the yeah. idea of like undoing our learning through repeated words and repeated thoughts I think that would be incredible yeah I just um, I'm having so much fun right now really just visualizing what this would look like because we it we didn't get to do this in a podcast and Jabari and I know we got a chance to do this with the outdoor stuff and it's so incredible to take this model and to really, you know, have have your kind of expertise, um, Jabari's expertise, different people's expertise, and get to spend time um, imagining what are the ways that we can try on the next level. I think we're really just trying to connect, and like you said, with, with our peers to a certain extent, and how do we continue to bring the model to to a new generation of people that are finding themselves interested in being outdoors, finding themselves interested in, in having spiritual practices. Exactly. I, I get so excited every time we have like our fellows meetings, pod meetings, because this is what my mom and my dad and, and their colleagues were doing back in the 80s is just like sitting around and, and vibing with each other and seeing what they could figure out, what they could pull out of themselves to share with with other people and I feel like we really are the next generation and they really have given us something that we can shape and make our own and it just excites me to like get to know you all and and have like a long-term relationship with you guys as we build this and as we create it and make it sustainable for us and I really do think those two things that you mentioned the idea of like outdoors work and also like food and and then spirituality are things that our generation are are getting really into and getting hip to and like wanting to find ways of exploring that feel safe right because like not everybody is is comfortable going outside and and growing food and not everybody is comfortable talking about spirituality but it's all all of that is is like trending and all of that is all over instagram and social media and i think visions is really good at building bridges for people so being able to help people make the connection about why these things are important um, and how are how are these ways of like honoring ourselves and and our ancestors and finding our personal power definitely part of what we'll be able to do um, as we move forward is is bring more people into to different forms of self-empowerment through the visions tools yeah and that's it is very i think for me that's what's very exciting to be able to be in this time and space, you know, 2019 and, and getting to work with Visions is that it's a time of transition. It's a time of trying on even just like this podcast is something that we're trying on. And I, I'm so excited to be able to catch such a such an amazing organization at a time like this, where um, they really are open to, to the creativity of the, of the next generation, which is not something that I think I've experienced at the different institutions that I've been a part of. Yeah, same here. I feel like organizational change and institutional change has been something that I have not seen happen in any of the institutions that I've been a part of, but outside of Visions. 
And I think even for us, like we we are we're a nonprofit, we're a five hundred one c three. Like there's a lot of things that keep institutions that are established from changing. But I think the more that we talk about this stuff and put it out there, the more power we give to it. And I do feel like we're shifting and we're inspired by um, the people within the organization. Like it's so inspiring to me to have someone like you in the organization, you doing the energy work that you do and like clearly being um, such a spiritual person. When you walk into the space, I feel inspired to be my full self and, and share those parts of myself. And I think same with Jabari, like his passion about being a farmer and being an outdoorsman is so inspiring to me and it makes me, it gives me this vision of what visions could turn into um, and what we could be doing in the summer times for Legacy Project or what we could be doing just as a community, just internally um, as a family to like nurture each other and um, create, create things that we'll be able to pass on and grow with. Yeah, that's so exciting. And now with that, I want to just want to say I'm so grateful for for visions. And it's like weird to talk about. It feels weird to just talk about it for a while. And I want to just say that like <laughs> I'm so grateful. Clearly, if you couldn't tell, um, and this is an organization that I feel very lucky to to be a part of. And I'm I I know that you do <laughs> you feel the same way. Um, and I only laugh, sorry, because I, my parents are pastors. And so mm. I just think of like the ways in which growing up in an institution, right, the different experiences that people can have. For me, wow. growing up in an institution as like the, the child of the, the leader was mostly, I would say, just not, not as positive, although I did have lots of great experiences. So, you know, thank you to you and for your journey, which I'm sure there were times where um, it was not easy as well. And so. You know, I appreciate you sharing your journey here. Cool. And is there any parting words for this episode? I think it was Bell Hooks who said self-care is not selfish, that it's that it's a liberation practice. So I'm going to get that quote correctly for our next podcast. But I just want us to keep thinking, both you and I and also whoever listens to this, to keep thinking about how you can make, how we can make good decisions for our bodies and our spirits um, moving forward because we need to. It's what we need to do to honor ourselves and the people who came before us. And it's our human right. Amen. And that is great. Tune in for our next episode where we will be talking about self-care and what it, what it looks like, I think, for you, Jamila, if you'd be open to sharing, I can share a little bit about what it looks like. And then um, I might ask around and see, you know, what, what some other people say and talk about. I think that's a great topic, self-care. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Thank you, Isaac. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Multiculturalism Happens Here. If you found this helpful or resourceful, give us a like, subscribe, a comment, or share. Consider giving to Visions. Visit our website for more information at www.visions-inc.org. If you're interested in joining any of our workshops, trainings, or youth summits, you can find more information and registration on Eventbrite. 
And if you're interested in having us come to you, contact us for more information. I am Isaac Rolas, wishing you a brand new day and a better way. Peace.